Well, turn your Bibles this morning, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. Last week, if you were here, we were talking about the unseen spiritual world. How many know not everything that's real, not all reality can be seen with your natural eyes? There was a day when, before they had microscopes, they didn't realize what could actually be in some pond water. They didn't realize what the genetic code could look like, but when the microscope opened up what was unseen to the, to the naked eye, how many know there was a whole new world there? And we live in a world today that has basically told us there is no such thing as a supernatural, certainly not the supernatural of the Bible. But I'm here to declare to you this morning that the Bible teaches us that there is an unseen spiritual reality, that God is real, angels are real, and hence Satan is real, demons are real. Last week, we t I entitled the message, An Evil Presence, but I talked to you uh, in the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. If you remember 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 11, there was a short phrase, but it basically talked about what can happen when we don't forgive. And it was a warning because in the Corinthian church, there was a believer who had done something wrong, and now Paul's calling for forgiveness. Notice what, what he says. It's on the screen, 2 Corinthians 2.11. You need to forgive so Satan will not outsmart us. You need to forgive this person because Satan wants to outsmart you, and we are familiar with his evil schemes, plural which suggests very clearly that Satan has a lot of tricks up his sleeve to try to cause us to stumble, to cause us to fall. He was very deliberate in the way that he caused Judas to betray Christ. Judas, one of the twelve disciples, somehow was manipulated through the love of money. If you missed that message last week, you can pick it up online. But we saw literally how the Bible says that Satan influenced Judas to betray, and then somehow Satan came into him. He entered him. He was not like The Exorcist or a movie like that, but it, but it was an influence. Well, this morning I want to continue that same evil influence because one of Satan's strategies that I want to unmask today is that he wants to isolate us from other believers. He wants you to live the Christian life alone rather than in community. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 this living life together was the norm for New Testament believers. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let, each, uh, let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. In other words, we're supposed to encourage and motivate one another to live the Christian life, to serve the Lord, to do good things and care for people. Verse 25, you should not stay away from the church meetings as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. Now, the church meetings, whether it was a large temple context, the setting, whether it was a house church and a church that the believers that met in homes, or it could have been a prayer meeting like Lydia by the river. But he was basically saying, you need to continue doing this. Don't forsake it. And do this even more as you see the day coming. The day coming was referred to the second coming of Christ. So what the Bible's teaching us is we're closer to this Lord's coming. We need to be more connected to other believers. Three times in this passage, it talks about each other, encourage each other, help each other, motivate each other. But it also tells us some are living in community in the context of the gatherings of believers, but some are not. Some have isolated themselves. Now, there's a teaching in Proverbs 18.1, Principles for Life. It says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. In other words, we're living in some fashion a self-absorbed life. You isolate yourself, you defy all sound judgment. 
So the options are for the Christian is I can live in community with other believers, whether I'm in a high school setting, whether I'm on a sports team, uh, whether I'm in a church context, I can live in community or I can live isolated and pretty much on my own. Well, how many know you can come to church but not be connected to people, though? We'll, we'll talk about that later. I've been in vocational ministry 32 years. And if I could just tell you honestly, this is not just a job for me, it's a life. I have found over the years that people that are living life together with other Christians have a more productive Christian life, they're more effective, they're more deliberate, their Christian life is more consistent, but those that kind of get off on their own, that isolate, that pull themselves away, the Christian life, though they may still go to heaven, how many know you don't have to go to church to go to heaven? But we're talking about living the Christian life to its fullest. It's lived somehow in a community of believers. And that's the truth I want to teach you this morning from the Scripture, is that God wants us connected to other believers, but Satan wants to isolate us. Now, one last Scripture from last week, First uh, Peter 5, 8. Be self-controlled and alert. And notice the Scripture on the screen. It says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, that's just words that you just read. We want to show you a little video clip that kind of will bring that to life. And i got to tell you, the first time I saw it, I kind of cringed and, 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 and had to turn my head away. So if you need to do that, that's okay too. But uh, I want you to see some parallels between what happens when an animal isolates itself on the plains of Africa that we'll draw parallels to that what can happen in the body of Christ, but we'll show how the body of Christ can rescue the animal when it's down as well. Take a peek, and then we'll uh, go with the message, living life together. Well, so the moral of that story is, if the devil's got you by the throat, you need somebody with the horns of the Spirit to help you out. Uh, but, I mean, isn't that the message of the story? You know, that those lions were able to attack and, and, and almost destroy the buffalo that had isolated itself. And that buffalo began to make that sound. I don't know what it was saying, but it was probably, if anybody can hear, please help. Because the other buffaloes knew something was up, and they came up to see. And how many know their horns were a little bit stronger? Those lions were afraid of those horns. There's something about the protection of the body of Christ. There's something about the connection in the community. And, 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 but there's also a valid, valid point to be made that if you isolate yourself from other Christians, you get out on your own, you're doing your own thing. It doesn't mean you're just, quote, a worldly evil person, but it means you become susceptible to attack. And if you caught at the end of the video, it also said that those lions, even though they were pushed away from the one that was down, they still followed the herd looking for the next opportunity for someone to isolate themselves. So let's get into the scripture this morning. A little different kind of message this morning. I want to kind of talk more globally, big picture. I want to talk about two different things. I want to talk about some of these tactics or strategies that Satan might use to isolate you from other believers. I bet you'll identify with some. We'll talk about some of the, of the benefits of living life in community together as well. Uh, Acts chapter 15 is where we're going to begin. And let's talk about this isolation, the things that the enemy might use to pull you apart from other believers. The first one is the word conflict. Can you say conflict? conflict? I mean, just flat not getting along, getting upset, getting getting angry, getting mad, whether it's real or imagined. Acts 15, verse 36, Paul, the apostle, said to Barnabas, his traveling companion. Now, I want you to think about this. Two of the greatest men in the New Testament. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. After their missions journey, they said, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed, but he wanted to take along John Mark. 
Paul, verse 38, disagreed strongly because John Mark had deserted them on a previous trip. And now in verse 39, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. So here, how many know if one of the greatest leaders of the New Testament church could, could have a fight with somebody and cause them to split up? How many know you and I could have the same thing happen to us? And here's one thing I know. If you're in church long enough, or really if you're in church pretty much just one Sunday, you're going to find a reason, come on, for something you don't like, for something that you don't get along, for something to upset you just a little bit. I mean, if that worship leader sings that chorus one more time, I'm going to have a fit. Or if, you know, whatever. Why does it have to be so cold? Why is it not colder? Come on, why didn't I get a T-shirt? And why? But, but, but just something to put a wedge. Now, how many know uh, the same thing happens if you're on sports teams? The same thing happens in marriages. I mean, it happens at work. That just stuff happens. And I'll suggest to you that it is a, it, it is a tool of the enemy to divide and destroy. Because how many know the Bible teaches us it's in the place of unity that God commands a blessing? And one of the greatest challenges that I have as a Christian constantly is that I get along with people. Because how many know the second command, great commandment is to love one another? And that doesn't mean that we always agree with one another. But how many know I can love you even if I don't agree with you? And I see this happen all the time. Not too long ago, uh, I was in church standing by the back door trying to be kind, and somebody come up to me with this, these fangs sticking out and says, I'm not coming here anymore. <laughs> like a snake. I said, what happened? One of your leaders told me something. I said, what did he say? And she told me. And I said, he was right. And she said, <laughs> Here's what happens after conflict number two. He wants to get you offended. If the devil can get you offended, listen now, if he can hurt your feelings. I mean, no, we need to be sensitive to one another's feelings. But, but, but I hurt people's feelings all the time and don't even know I'm doing it. I had somebody come to me this morning and, and reconnect with me because I, I, I'd hurt their feelings when they were in a crisis because I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't show enough love, enough attention, and I was not even aware I did it. I mean, no, we all have feelings, and feelings are real. Whether the issue is valid or not, we have feelings. But I want to tell you, the enemy would use that, particularly if you're a sensitive person. How many sensitive people here? Boy, me too. Uh, but the enemy can hurt you. Scripture in Proverbs says this. It says, an offended brother... They'll put it on the screen. An offended brother is harder to win. An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. An offended person. See, it's that bait of Satan we talked about last week. I have, a, I have a friend that I have known for probably 23 years. And probably 25 years ago, this guy was hurt in church. Now listen, he was a worship leader. Uh, everything was, you know, apparently going great. But he had a conflict with somebody. And it was so great, he hadn't been in church in 25 years. He, he, he got hurt. Well, how many know feelings are valid, but what happens when you get isolated? Now, listen, he's a spiritual guy. He loves Jesus. When I'm around him, I just am amazed at, you know, this guy's love for God, but he's disconnected himself from the body of Christ. He's going to heaven, all right, but guess what? The people that he could have influenced are suffering because he's not a part of the body of believers. See, church is not just about what I get and the receiving in. Church is about my place and how I'm giving and loving and serving people. Uh, let's keep going. Here's another one. Uh, busyness. I mean, we all know this. I've got a friend at church I've been trying to get together with for six months. And for whatever reason, we're both so busy we can't even get together. I mean, we just live in that world. But somehow, these things work against us. Now, here's one that I think uh, I can really relate to. 
is that we've had past bad experiences in church. How many can say I've had bad experiences in church? Come on. Both hands, you're sitting down. I'm going to put up both feet. That I've had some things happen. I've had preachers let me down. I've had church members let me down. I've had people come up to me one Sunday and said, you know what, I'm here with you for the rest of your life, and I'm going to hold up your hands, and the next two weeks later they joined another church. I mean, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons to be heard in church. And I think if I was not a pastor of our vocation, I think this has the greatest potential to affect my, would have the greatest potential to affect me as a Christian. Because what happens, uh, you know, I use the phrase that church would be great if it wasn't for people. I mean, I mean, it would just be great. You remember, uh, but oftentimes we just, we just, we just, uh, we can't get along. How many know you can come to the church building, but not connect with the church people? And I think this happens because oftentimes of past bad experiences in church where we've been hurt maybe lied to or maybe just disappointed. I mean, things just didn't work out because we all know deep down the way church is supposed to be. We all know the kind of the way we're supposed to treat each other. We know the way money's supposed to be managed and all these things. But things happen and it just kind of lets the air out of your, you know, you just kind of, you just kind of get disappointed with, with the way things are. It happens in life. Well, what happens, I find that it's almost easier to love at a distance than it is to love up close. Because when you get hurt, if you've gone through the pain of a divorce, you know this. You want to get married again, but at the same time, you don't want to because the potential to be hurt is so great. So at one hand, I'm pulling you closer to me, but the other hand is pushing you away because of what's happened before. Uh, you, you remember the uh, Tom Hanks movie uh, when he's just stranded on a deserted island? I want you to think about that just a second. A little, little funny story here, but uh, there was this guy on a deserted island, and, and he'd been there for years and years and years, and finally a ship found him and came to rescue him. So, of course, they sh he was showing them around the island, and they looked up on the hill there, and there were three huts. And uh, the ship captain went up there, and they went in the first hut where he was living, and the captain said, you know, what's, what's, what, what, what are the three huts about? Assuming there was a lot of people on the island. But, of course, it was just this one guy. And he said, well, that first hut, that's where I live. That's my house. And he showed him around. Of course, the next question was, what's the next hut? Well, that's my church. That's where I go to church. Well, what's the third one? Oh, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, so, you know, whether it's one, two, or, or three people. I know, it took you a little while. That's where I used to go to church. But it's... We do have caffeine, by the way, in the... In the uh, uh, Connect Cafe, if you want to get some before you come to church. And you can bring it. I think this one has huge potential. Everybody, you know, listen, you're a believer, you're going to heaven, that's not the issue. But what the church could receive from your benefit, come on, of your connectedness is missing because of the past. And it gets worse as we get a little older. Of course, there's, there's many, many things that, that can happen. Uh, it could be personal sin. Uh, if you're in rebellion in your life, the last thing you want is for people to know about it. Uh, I know lots of people that say, nobody needs to know my business. I don't want accountability. Nobody tells me what to do. And I say, well, listen, pal, I, I understand that. I don't want anybody telling me what to do either. So let's just kind of buck up against each other. Or we can recognize that we might get over our problems. Come on. If we would let other people in our world. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. If you conceal your sin, you won't prosper. But if you confess and forsake, you find mercy. And it just may be the fact that you, we don't disconnect sometimes is because what's on in our inner world. I mean, it could be shame. It could be shame from things that, you know, nobody else knows, but you think everybody knows. You know, we have oftentimes in the church where a person will go through a crisis. I mean, it could be anything from a, a divorce to a bankruptcy to a whatever to an affair, and they just don't want to come to church because they think everybody knows about them, when in truth, not hardly anybody knows. Come on. 
But we've just got these little voices just trying to pull, pull us away. Uh, I, I think even flawed theology keeps people out of community. What I mean by that is sometimes our belief about the local church is more like American individualism than it is the body of Christ. I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the, body, uh, the scripture speaks about we as Christians are like a body. Uh, somebody's a hand, somebody's a, a thumb, somebody's a foot, somebody's an eye. And the question is, where would the body be if it wasn't for the eye? And particularly if the other eye is missing. See, we all have a place. I imagine if you're a thumb in the body of Christ. Come on, do your thumb like that now. You may not think about your thumb much, but it's pretty important. How many coffee drinkers here? Let me see your hand. Yeah, you got some woohoos on that one as well. Okay, I got good news for you first. Right now, the AMA or the medical folks say that it's good for you, okay? Uh, a, a while back, it was not good for you. Margarine's still out now, okay? No margarine, but, but coffee used to be bad. Now it's good, and it could be bad again one day, but keep drinking. So, yeah, drink as much as you can, my wife says, while you, while you got a shot at it. But, but here's my question. How in the world are you going to hold that, your, your, your cup without a thumb? Now, you think about it. I mean, here's a little cup right here. Uh, I, I may do okay like that for a while, but it's pretty easy, easy to let go as opposed to if you've got the thumb that help you hold on to it. I mean, there's just something about the power of a thumb. I mean, if I want to pick this up, it's pretty easy to do because my thumb can even hold it up. But if I don't ha have thumb, I mean, it would be pretty hard for me to hold on to this thing. See? <laughs> It'd be pretty hard to hold on to it. And if I wanted to get a Kleenex... This is my third time to try this, by the way. But, but the value of your... See, even now, my thumb's helping to balance it. Well, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying 1 Corinthians 12 says we are the body of Christ, and we all have a part to play in it. And if you think... Yeah, we need each other. And if you think that your part is not that important, let me tell you, you're wrong. Because here's kind of the gist of all this. I don't care what reason we have for isolating ourselves. It's, it's a strategy behind it to try to keep you away from the body of believers and keep you out on yourself on the plains of Africa. When I was in the Navy many years ago, I was in my early 20s. I was in Okinawa, Japan, and I was as on fire for God as anybody could be. Young Christian, I mean, uh, everything I owned was in two Navy sea bags. And any Navy guys out here, girls... Yeah, so I had two green sea bags, and everything I had, if it in those two bags, one of them was full of Christian books, and the other one was, you know, clothes and things. When I got to Japan, I got as involved as I could around the island. I was in four different Christian groups. I'd go in Assembly of God Church on the weekends to worship. Uh, I was in a, a serviceman center on a Tuesday night. I was in a Catholic uh, charismatic prayer group, even in a basement of the Catholic Church on Thursday night, and it seems like there was one more. But I was going for God, but I had a, a personal crisis come up in my life. See, when I was going for God, I would show up, and people loved me and nice to me, and, and they would extend their hand to me, and I would work and serve. But the problem is, when I had my crisis, nobody was there for me. I had a faith crisis. Something happened. It's the only time in my 36 or so years of being a Christian that I backslid. Now, I didn't go into drugs and all that, but, but I just quit going to church. I mean, I just decided I'm going to show God that, that, that you know, I'm, I'm not going to church anymore because my feelings are hurt. <laughs> isn't that the most stupid thing you've ever thought in your life? But isn't that kind of what we do? And I used to think about this. I'd show up everywhere all the time, and all of a sudden, nothing. And guess who came looking for me? Nobody. That's exactly right. Nobody, because I went everywhere but was committed nowhere. People knew me, knew about me, but they didn't know me. 
And I want to suggest to you that we all have times in life that sneak up on us. We're not looking for it, but all of a sudden the lion comes out of the bushes. And he'll catch you at your most vulnerable spot. And once he's got you down, come on, it's pretty hard to get up. Well, anyway, you all are pretty quiet on me. Let me kind of flip, flip sides just a second here. Let me talk a little bit about the benefits of being a part of a church family. Now, we go to church for a lot of reasons. I mean, we come to, uh, you know, if you're single, you come looking for a spouse maybe or somebody. That's a joke, okay? <laughs> the only joke I had this morning. But you come to church uh, to worship God, all right? I mean, I, I have a time of my own with God, but it's nothing like worshiping with you. It's nothing like it. We come to church to learn the Bible. It's great. We come to church because we want some sense of mission. You know, some sense of a place to, uh, to, to do something with our lives. I mean, we just partnered with a group. Fourteen of them went to Africa. Linnell tells me she had 15 50-pound bags filled with stuff just to bring these terribly impoverished people just to say, somebody loves you. Come on, God loves you, which opens a door to be able to preach the gospel. We did that. We did that together. So we come to it. We, we unite as a body for mission. But there's another one that's huge, and that is to have community with other believers. That is to have an opportunity to be able to find a place. And, you know, that's what this little ministry guide that was about that we were talking about earlier. All this is is about a 100 different places where you can find a place to find somebody like you, somebody that's doing something that you want to do, whether it's fun or serious or study or serving, uh, people that just want to hang with you. Well, that's what church is about. And our mission statement, we say it quite simply with four fingers, the way we make disciples, we connect people to, say it with me, God... Friends, ministry in the world. That's what Church on the Rock's about. Making disciples by connecting people to God. Friends, ministry in the world. And that's one of the greatest benefits we have to offer you is that friends who share your Christian values. Friends who share your values. Here's another one, Hebrews chapter 13, a spiritual covering. Now, what does that mean? Hebrews 13, 17. It says, obey your spiritual leaders, do what they say. Now listen to this. Their work is to watch over your soul. Somebody is, has a job to help me not only get to heaven, but so God might say, well done when I get there. To watch over your soul, and they're accountable to God, which literally means that one day God's going to ask me about some of you. The problem, though, oftentimes I don't know if it's somebody I am accountable for or not. Because Christians respond to their community like we respond to restaurants. Not really. It's one of the greatest struggles. If I could be vulnerable just a minute. A pastor oftentimes in America to church today has no clue. Has no clue who's, who, who's a part of the fellowship. I mean, most pastors that I know just won't hope some people come back next Sunday. But being in the chair is not enough. Come on. It's the body of Christ, you know, ministering to itself in love. Functioning as a body of believers. My desire for you is two things. One is that you would make a step to Christ, surrender your life, so you could receive Christ as Savior, quote, to go to heaven. But beyond that, once you're on the right track, I want to hear God say, well done. When I get to heaven, I want God to say for hopefully most of the bunch at Church on the Rock there in Texarkana that most of them are getting A-pluses when they're getting into heaven. Come on, that, that when God comes and Peter's got out the book or whatever the case is, and he'd say, what'd you do, Dorothy? What'd you do, Tom? What'd you do, June? And he's looking at you, but he's also looking at me. Come on, because we're doing this together with me and elders, pastors, leaders, life group leaders. It's not just all about me and you. It's about a network of leaders in the life of our church that we connect with and grow together with. Praise the Lord. 
That's a, that's a big thing. This is, yeah, well, give the Lord a good hand if you're going to do it. If you're going to clap, go ahead and clap. Um, a spiritual covering. And, 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 and these, an opportunity for spiritual growth. Now, here's what I know. I'm going to become like the people I hang out with. If I'm running with worldly people, I'm going to be worldly. And, I, and, and I'm going to grow in worldliness. So what do you mean by that? Think of your first cigarette, those of you that had that wonderful experience in life. I mean, you, you know, you smoke a little bit. <coughs> and, and everybody says, wasn't that good? Oh, yeah. <coughs> Give me another one. I know, I've been there. Um, but pretty soon you get good at it and you're smoking a pack a week. And then you get really good and smoking a pack a day. You have to have a really good job or you have to steal a lot to be able to do that yeah. in today's world. But you grow in being worldly. Think about drugs, alcohol. I mean, I mean, think about the whole sexual encounter. I mean, it's all out. You grow in worldliness or you grow in godliness. If I'm around people, if my, if my closest circle of friends, and how many know we always need to have an open door to people who don't know Christ? Not judgmental or anything like that. Listen, I, I, they just are where I once was. But, but we always need, we need to have people in our world, listen, that are people who are, are, are loving God, that are worshiping, that are praying, that, 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 that are reading their Bibles, that are encouraged me to do the same thing. You know, if they say, hey, let's go to the lake this weekend, you know, let's just go spend the whole time. No, let's do this. Let's go to church on Saturday night, and I'll go to the lake with you on Sunday. That's pretty cool. That's what I would do. They're helping keep you kind of on track. And if you get in a down spot in life, if somebody knows you, come on, not just your form letter. Somehow, I got on a, uh, a dial-a-prayer list uh, on our cell phones. I think I the think, uh, only thing I can come up with is AT&T sold, sold the list because it's got Rebecca's and it had Linnell's. And I got this guy calling me and telling me, he said, I know you're in one of the darkest, despairing times of your life. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. And he's saying, you need somebody to pray with you. Just, you know, punch this number or whatever. And I'm thinking, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Come on. You can get a way better sermon than me if you watch TV. Don't say amen on that now. It hurt my feelings. But, but, but what you can get in a local fellowship is you can get people that know you, come on, if you want that to happen. And that's a good, good thing, spiritual growth. And lastly, of course, an opportunity for significance. Jesus told us to go into all the world and make what? Disciples of all nations. We can't do that all on our own. But guess what? As we partner together with people, we can make a huge difference in this world for Christ. Uh, we just, like I said, we just sent a group to Africa. And now they're already scheming and planning their next trip they're going to do. But just a few weeks ago, I got a call. We have a missionary friend, Brother Joseph. He ministers to the underground church in Muslim, uh, Muslim countries. And, and he was talking about the Philippines. And he was talking about Indonesia and different places. And he said, you know what? I've got the people. I've got it all set up. But what I don't have is training materials and financial help. Can you help us? Well, we just were able to write a check. Not because I had $2,400 in my pocket, but because together, come on, we can do something for God in a greater fashion. You know, our missions friend in Haiti, Jay Threadgill, they've been worshiping in a tent, you know, 4,000 Haitians because in the hurricane their building collapsed and now their tents all tore up because of all the little storms that come. He needs about $100,000 to be able to order the steel to be able to put up a shell, come on, where they'll have eight or 10,000 Haitians worshiping every Sunday morning and 25 outlying churches. Well, guess what? We partner together with people. 
and our place for significance. And that's something that there's a spiritual synergy that can happen when we're working together that can never happen on your own. You with me? So these are kind of, these are, these are, that's just some of the things that, you know, it's not hard to figure out. But let me just give you some testimonies about living life together here at Church on the Rock. And I want to tell you about some people's lives. I don't want to call their name out, but I just want you to see kind of a portrait of what happens as we live life together. I mean, it's, it's not just the slogan on a t-shirt, live life together. It's what happens when we do that. Uh, there was a young boy and his dad came to church and, and they had just gone through the pain of a divorce. Mom rejected both of them. Came to town, didn't have anything. I mean, no divorce swallows up everything. Didn't have anything, didn't have a place to live, a job to work, but somehow we sensed their sincerity, were able to help him find a job, help him get established in an apartment. They both gave their lives to Christ, they both got baptized, and they're growing in the Lord. We're living life. There's a young man in ministry that went through a terrible tragedy, wrecked his life, had to get out of ministry, came to the church, got healed, got strong. Well, guess what? Now he's looking to step back into ministry and make a difference with his life. Um, uh, a, a woman, uh, she came to church years ago after a painful divorce. It was back during the, the desert storm. Husband and abandoner, got some teenage kids. First time I saw them, we were in the old Dixie Diner on State Line, and, and one of her kids were standing up out the sunroof and just, you know, kind of, kind of being silly. Well, lo and behold, she came, connected with us, and got healed after a few years, felt the call of God, and now has gone to touch with gospel ministry 40 nations of the world because she had people living life together with her. Uh, a, a man starts a ministry for inner city kids. I'm talking about a good old boy from Arkansas. So come on, he doesn't have the skin color to do it, but, 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 but he's got the burden from God. And God just tells him to just start going down there and loving on people. And he said, Pastor, I don't care what I do. i got to get them out of that environment. If I buy them shoes, somebody steals the shoes or Mama gets them and sells them for drugs. But if I can get some of them out and disciple them, come on, I can help them get on track. Well, he did that. And those kids went to college. Some of those kids went in ministry. One of them's pastoring in town today because we, we did life together. Uh, a family has a child with a life-threatening disease. Well, guess what? Dozens of people are surrounding them, lifting up them in the place of prayer for them at corporate times together, but also on their own. Now, how many know you can make it through a difficulty? Come on, if you've got uh, uh, enough money, enough drugs, or the right friends. But sometimes you, you can't control it. But you need somebody to help you keep going in God. See, that's, that's what living life together is about. A woman comes to church carrying the scars of multiple abortions wondering, can God really forgive me and will people love me in spite of what I've done? And lo and behold, she finds the love of God and she finds the, the love of people. People go to the homeless shelter in town here. Uh, they, they, they go to the Robinson Courts like you saw, ministered to over 100 people, fed them so they could give an opportunity to preach the gospel to them. Why do they do that? It's because Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. See, live in life. People of different skin color come to church just to see. Come on. A little different from the preacher, I mean. Just to see if people there really will love me. And guess what? They find that you are loved. Come on. That, that we're trying to be a colorblind congregation. That when Jesus looks at me, he doesn't see me on the outside. He, he, sees, he sees my heart. A, ho a homeless person comes to church and sees, will anybody care for me? I don't mean just somebody wanting a handout, but somebody wanting a hand up in life. Come on. 
Will anybody love me there? And guess what he finds? That somebody loves him and will care for him. Come on. And then lo and behold, life begins to turn around and life begins to change. A 20-year-old a trying to figure out what to do with her life. Loves serving God and just feels to take the summer and go to a ministry training experience. And, and friends gather around her to help her and support her while she's doing it. And she commits her life to full-time ministry. Well, that was my daughter. See, this is what it means. When I'm talking about living life together, that's what church is about. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand, a good hand today. Um, let, me, let, let, let me close with this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It was our text, and, and I want to make this statement. I don't go to church just for me. I go for you. You say you're the preacher. I know, you're a preacher too. I don't go to church just for me. I go for you. Now, now think about what we read in our text. Uh, let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. Don't stay away from the church meetings as some are doing, but you should meet together and you should encourage. So three times in this simple passage in two verses, it's basically saying, listen, you're there not just for you. You don't go to church just for you, but you go for people. See, the Bible tells us that whatever gift God has given you, use it to serve one another. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when the Bible says, I'm an eye, I'm an ear, a hand, a foot, a thumb in the body of Christ. I'm not there just to get together with the other thumbs, come on. But I'm there to supply what, what, what I have to be able to give to you. And one of the most liberating things is that when you can realize that I'm not going just to church just for me, but I'm going for what I can do for other people. And find your place to serve in the body of Christ. It's a whole new dimension when you don't just show up, come on, to, for a sermon and a song. But you come to be with my friends. And I do the things that I can do that no one else can, come on, to lift people up as we reach the world together. I, I have a friend I tried to reconnect with recently. Uh, great guy. Just a little bit older than me. Made some inquiries about his life. You're going to church? Well, sometimes, you know, usually not. Usually I just, you know, I go to church in my chair uh, at the house. Well, praise the Lord, you're going to church in your chair. Uh, you're sure going to heaven, but guess what? We're missing out because the thumb's missing. And I want to encourage you to think about that. Don't just be a consumer that goes from restaurant to restaurant to a better restaurant. But listen to where God calls you to be. I'm fully convinced that God has a church family for all of us to be a part of. You know, don't look for it like the way you shop for a restaurant. Don't just compare like you're when you're buying a car and, you know, you little click the comparison deal. Don't just look for churches like that. Say, Holy Spirit, where am I supposed to connect? What body of believers am I a part of? Because that's the place not only am I going to receive, but that's the place that I'm going to give what God's given me as together we provide a platform to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Come on, give the Lord a good hand this morning. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray with you this morning as we close. I'm a great believer that every time I, I read the Word of God, whether it's in my private devotion, anytime I hear a message, that there's always an application that God would have for me. The Christian life is not just accumulating information. It's, it's doing what God would have me to do. And I want you to just bow your head a moment. And I just wonder if you just may simply have a time with the Holy Spirit as we ask the question, what is God saying to you this morning? What's He saying to you? When we were talking about the reasons people are isolated. Did something resonate with you? 
Was there a, a disappointment from the past, a hurt, an offense, a conflict that you need to forgive? That you need to be very deliberate about opening your heart and taking a chance to trust again? Maybe for some reason you're just whatever. I don't know what the case may be. You're private, you're shy, you're in your own world, you're busy. But maybe the Holy Spirit was trying to say, slow down. He's trying to redirect you. Maybe it resonated in you and we made the statement that church is not, I don't go to church just for me. I go for you. Maybe God is trying to say, hey, look, I want to use the gifts that I've placed within you to make the body of believers stronger. Maybe you're not sure where you're supposed to be connected, but you just know that it's time to put down roots. Lord, whatever the reason may be this morning, we simply want to come before you. And we want to affirm again that we want to be the person you want us to be. We want to be in the church family that you've called us to be a part of. We want to not only be on the receiving end, but we want to get to the place where we're on the giving end, the serving end, the caring end, the leading end, the loving end. So we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to just come. Would you just lift your heart and hands to heaven and just say, Lord, I, I, I want to be the kind of person you want me to be. I just want to say, welcome in my life. I don't know how long I'm going to be on this earth. I don't know if I'll be here a day, a year, ten years, or a hundred. But I do know that I want to commit my life to you fully and completely. And I want my life to count. So Holy Spirit, take me and use me in the way you want me to do. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Praise the Lord. Hey, it's an honor to have you today. Honored that you're here this morning. A lot of wonderful, wonderful churches in town. But we're thrilled that you are here. And I would encourage you, you know... We're probably in along a continuum. Some of you are looking for a church. I encourage you to really pray. And, and where God calls you to be, put your roots down. If your roots are down here, let me encourage you. Let us continue to join in together in a covenant. that We're going to continue to help this church be healthy. It is healthy. To help this church be strong. To help this church be loving. To help this church continue to make a difference. To recognize that there's a, there's a devourer out there that's trying to get us He's trying to get us offended. He's trying to get us isolated. He's trying to wound us. He's trying to hurt us. He's trying to get us in conflict so he can pull us aside. Let's not let him win because the people that are not yet here yet are the people that need us to walk in love one towards another. Praise the Lord. We're going to close this way. I'm going to have our prayer team come forward. We always have an opportunity to pray for people because I know that some of us came to church this morning and had some real great needs. And the thing about it is the needs are still probably going to be there when you get back in the car and go home. But if you want someone to pray for you and ask God to help you deal with whatever is in your world right now, somebody will be here to stand with you. That's what their calling and their ministry is, to stand in the place of prayer, to believe that God will do a miracle in your life. We'll pray about anything. It could be for you personally. It could be something or someone that burdens your heart. We'll pray for you. It may be something in the message that really resonated with your heart that you feel that you need to come for, for prayer to make a connection. We'll pray with you. And something really, really big, you may be here this morning, and your greatest need is to start a personal relationship with Christ. Your greatest need may be to surrender your life with Christ, to get on board. For some reason, you've gotten away from God, or maybe like me, until I was 19, raised in church, but had never surrendered my life to Christ. That's the starting place of being a Christian. So whatever your need may be this morning, we're going to sing this through one time and then dismiss. But I want our prayer team to come right now. They're going to gather around the altar. And as they're coming to pray for you, let me just invite you to come and allow God to touch your heart. I love you very much. Thanks for being here today. Take my hand and lead me through 
You are my sustaining. 